Hey everybody, and welcome to the Pro AV Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Josh Fisher. It's no secret that the technological advances in our world have been transforming the way we think about not only technology, but about our lives in general. In the Pro AV space, while these innovations are great for the customer and for the progression as a whole, the revenue trends that follow them have some catching up to do. Listen in as we explore the idea of recurring revenue trends in Pro AV and what the overall response is. Is it a win-win for customers and businesses, or is there more than meets the eye? Joining us today to talk about his experience in the pro AV space is Jeremy Caldera, CEO of IAS Technology. Hey, Jeremy. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, great to be here. Uh, so let's start with you. Uh, who are you, and what do you do for IAS Technology? Uh, well, uh, my name's Jeremy Caldera. IAS Technology is a uh, integration company, audio-video integration company based out of central Illinois. Uh, we handle uh, installations uh, mostly regionally uh, within maybe about a five-state radius of here, uh, but we also handle a lot of uh, national and some international stuff depending on uh, some of our clients. Uh, I myself uh, oversee the entire company operations uh, down to the design level. Uh, most of my sales engineers are sales engineers, uh, but uh, the more advanced design stuff I kind of help oversee. I'm also uh, very heavily involved in uh, the industry with Avixa and certification and standards and teaching as well. Talking about teaching, you designed the AV curriculum at Columbia College in Chicago, correct? Uh, yeah, I assisted with that. When they were uh, developing kind of a new idea, understanding that um, – you know, it's not just audio anymore, even though they have an audio and acoustic school. Uh, there is still some components to the whole, you know, video and control systems and all this. There's this whole other side of, of AV integration uh, in their sound contracting department. And so they recognized that early and brought me on board to kind of help uh, develop that curriculum with my experience with Avixa. Uh, then was asked to teach the class for a while, too, which was great. Nice. Yeah, it's like a modern curriculum at this point. Yeah, it really is. It's it's uh, it's done well. Uh, it was received very well by all the students uh, in my class. I think all of my top students were hired either by myself or other firms. So uh, it's got really good results as well. That's amazing. We need more good workers in this industry. Yeah, that's for sure. So what do you think one of the strong points was uh, that you felt this curriculum taught uh, that you think is like vital within this industry? Well, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, when it comes down to the fundamentals, um, you know, audio, video, it's very similar. Um, but what most of the students weren't recognizing was that, uh, number one, there are these other jobs in the AV industry that are great jobs that pay well, that aren't really terrible hours like you get, you know, on a road crew or, you know, the hard to come by jobs in a recording studio. You know, there's more to it. Um, there's this whole other component component to the design side where you could work an eight to five job kind of, uh, and, and make a decent living. Um, you know, for a lot of the students, you know, understanding the fundamentals, you, you have to get through several levels before you even get to this class. So they've all got a good basis of the fundamental design of sound systems, which translates well to video, but for them to understand that, you know, there's all these new video technologies out there and there's ways to tie it all together with control systems and what are the fundamentals behind designing that kind of stuff, uh, I think is critical for giving, you know, the full breadth of what it is we do in the AV industry. Definitely. Do you feel like a lot of these uh, kids and people coming through the program knew about this stuff prior? Uh, I think some did, but some did not. It was interesting because I had a lot of students that were um, – you know, from mixed areas of the department. You know, the audio department there is, is kind of, you know, wide. There's acoustics majors, there's live 
live sound production majors. There's uh, installed sound, which is kind of what this was more geared to, uh, majors, as well as uh, recording studio engineers, right? And so I kind of got the, the breadth of all of them in the class. And, you know, there were a few that once they understood what it is that was out there and we could, you know, what they could do with, with that knowledge, uh, even kind of switch their course, you know, of study, which was great to see. And I can think of three of them right now that are just, you know, knocking it out of the park within the industry and, and some of the positions that they're at. Um, you know, I see them on follow them on Facebook all the time, you know, students from three, four, five years ago that are just, you know, excelling in ways I never imagined when I was that age. So uh, it's been really great to kind of just see that and, and watch them develop. Yeah, it must be exciting to see that that progression. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I want to jump right into our main topic with your experience in Pro AV. I want to talk about recurring revenue trends. Okay. First off, how is Pro AV adopting it and how do you feel like customers are responding to it? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I serve a smaller market. I'm a smaller company than most of the big players that are out there. But, um, you know, the industry itself is pushing this recurring revenue model and I completely am on board with it. I understand it. I get it. Um, the, the problem is traditionally most AV companies, they just, they don't understand the idea of it, right? Um, you know, they're very cut and dry. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, the company that I came, when I came on board as CEO here, you know, prior to my uh, tenure here, um, the owners and everyone here was very big on, you know, our systems are so good, you don't need to buy a service contract, right? Not identifying that, okay, there's, there's more to the systems in place than just, you know, service, there's, you know, preventative maintenance, there's all the little aspects now, especially nowadays, and uh, parts of the system that, that could require hands on and, and, and help increase longevity and quality and all of the stuff that goes with that. And in turn, right, the best part, recurring revenue, right, especially for uh, the end user, uh, or for the integrator, but the end user as well is having a trouble wrapping their head around it, because a lot of the end users are the old school AV guys, right? That either came from integration or, you know, have very little experience in that realm. So what I'm finding is it's, it's kind of a challenge to not only figure out how to sell it because it's so new to our industry as a whole. I mean, IT has been doing it for years, right? But, you know, how do we package it up? How do we sell it? What are our offerings? How do we make sure we're making money on it? There's all these confusing things that, that come into it from, from my standpoint as a, you know, as a business leader. But from the end user standpoint as well, it's, it's what's the benefit that they get out of that? How do they sell that cost, uh, you know, up the food chain, if you will, uh, of their organization? Because a lot of the organizations that are buying this are larger organizations, right? Because they're ones that can budget for this kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I see the big push and everybody's talking about it being the big thing. And I really want to see that, but I'm still seeing it kind of slowly taking off, at least where I'm at. Just going through, uh, I was looking like hard contracts, auto renewal subscriptions, sunk money subscriptions. Out of the ones that you know or that you uh, use and adapt, what would you say is the most viable for a vendor and why? Uh, for me, it's just, I mean, it's hard to do anything that auto renews, right? Um, I like to set them up that way, but you still need to develop the relationship with the client. So you're still going to be... Um, you know, and whichever whichever methodology you're using, right, whatever that's called, okay, of the six types that you describe, you're yeah. still going to be hands on with the client. You're still going to talk to them. You're going to show them what it is you did, you know, uh, what services you provided, um, what the results of that were. Because hopefully, you know, as, as a managed service or any kind of offering like that, you're going to be able to provide results. And then you're going to have to requote that either every year or 
uh, you know, every three years, whatever the term is that you can actually, uh, you know, sell as part of that contract. But it is going to be contractual sales. And I think a lot of that has to do with on the commercial side of things. We're seeing the fact just the simple facts companies, you know, they have to issue a PO, right? You, you can't build a company in most cases uh, without having a sort of number attached to that. So to do any kind of auto renewal is going to be very hard to uh, to accomplish, if you will. Of course. So, I mean, when you pitch this to uh, ultimately to the customers, what's your what's your pitch and what's the pushback on it? Well, what I've what I've kind of adopted here is the idea of every proposal that goes out the door has a number attached to it for recurring revenue, you know, maintenance service, an SLA, if you will. Right. So what I'm telling all my sales guys is, listen, you know, it, it may not fit every client, but if we put it on the proposal, it's going to at the very least get them thinking about it and talking about it. And we have some kind of base descriptions in our proposals to, you know, what we are covering, right? If we're doing preventative maintenance checks, if we're, you know, doing the all-inclusive platinum plan that includes, you know, uh, consumables like lamps and cables, and that's all just covered. You never have to worry about it, right? There's different kind of tiers that we've set up. And the way that we can sell that essentially is just number one, informing and then just getting the knowledge out there. And then for the ones who are interested in it, okay, well, now we can get down into the details of this. What are we doing? What are we covering? You know, how do we custom tailor that for you? And I, I don't like to do that too much uh, because then it gets very confusing for the service department to manage because, you know, 90% of most people will, you know, accept the. Not, I don't want to say cookie cutter, that's the wrong term, but but a standard SLA type package, right? I mean, I mean that, that's your 90%. But we'll custom tailor to just about anybody and helping them understand what they're getting and their faster response times and making sure that all of their labor is covered and, and whatever it is that we're including with that package, I think is key. It's just that one-on-one -on -one communication, that relationship base that, that you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to keep and maintain. And I think that's the importance of our, of our salespeople and making sure that they're well-educated in the, in those SLA contracts in order to maintain those sales. Definitely. I think, uh, just first and foremost, keeping people informed and making sure they know what's, what's going on is, is key. I mean, you know, change doesn't have to be bad. It's just, it's making people understand why it's being changed. No, when I started getting the, the team here kind of on board with it, uh, you know, the first pushback I got from from the sales side was, oh, okay, well, we'll put it in the in the quotes where we know the customers can afford it or that they, you know, they even might yeah. care about it. I said, no, put it on every quote, <laughs> you know, this get people thinking in this mentality and, and how do we do this? And, and even when we start talking into more of a AV as a service model, which is a whole different thing besides SLA contracts for recurring revenue, right? That's a whole nother market that, that, is, is difficult to kind of, you know, penetrate is to make people understand how that functions and how that works. And, you know, is it or is it not glorified leasing, which we all knew from, you know, back 10 decade ago, and they were pushing that, you know, as a thing. So now this is a recurring revenue model. And, and how do we differentiate, you know, that from our, from our SLA contracts versus just an upfront capital expense? So as a whole with this, do you, do you believe that recurring revenue helps keep customers updated at lower cost? Like, is that, is that like the general gist that we can boil it down to? Well, the things I like about it as an integrator, you know, is, is, is several things actually, right? It, it keeps me in front of the customer, keeps our company in the for, forefront of their mind whenever the, anything else comes up in the future, whether it's new service, whatever, right? They're always thinking about us. They're always calling us when there's an issue. Um, if we're responsive and we take care of them, that's going to always keep us at, at the top tier of, of people that they're going to be considering when new projects are coming down down the pipeline, right? And so just kind of that maintaining that relationship is, is what's really important to me when it comes to, 
any any of those recurring revenue models, right? And just just making sure that you know our services are are top notch and that we're staying, like I said, at the forefront. Yeah, and so with these with these outlets, is it per is it on like a per customer basis or a per vendor basis? Which one makes the most sense for them? Well, it's hard. I mean, for recurring revenue, it's going to be you know per vendor with us being the vendor, right? That that's yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, with our vendors, I've seen some of our vendors from the AV channel um, starting to want to go towards that model. But because we're an integration house, right, we're taking all these different vendors and putting them together. It's really hard to, you know, pass on any kind of recurring stuff, you know, down the chain, if you will, right, to our clients. So we have to kind of figure out a way to package yeah. all that stuff together um, and, and present that to our client. Oh, that makes sense. And just in the pro AV space in general, I mean, there's so much technological innovation going on. How do you feel like this trend of recurring revenue correlates with that? Well, I think I think it helps set an expectation for, you know, quality first, first and foremost, especially when we're talking about SLA, because we're talking about maintenance and um, staying in the forefront and, and you know, uh, when updates are needed, that recurring model is going to keep us in their mind for for updating to new technologies, right? When we start getting into more of a recurring model when it comes to AV as a service, if you will, um, you know, now we're shifting the cost to an operational expense versus a capital expense, and we're actually seeing, you know, what is the potential for, um, you know, replacement time, right? So what is the actual true time before you have to swap out this gear, right? What's the life cycle? So the recurring models help people understand that technology is always changing and you have to be aware of that and you have to budget for that. And so what truly is the life cycle of not just the components in the, in, in the system, but the system itself as a whole? And how do we maintain that and even keep that Life, how do we extend that life cycle? We do that through recurring service, right? So it all kind of plays hand in hand together. And, and like I said, just information and, and being informative to the customer and helping explain all that is, is what's key into selling that. Yeah. And I mean, uh, just touching on what you said about, uh, I mean, the tech is improving and that's you know just the way things are going. So do you feel like this boosts sales for vendors as this tech is improving and they start pushing it out to their subscribers? Um. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's it's improving. The improvement of the technology is is good and bad, right? Because now we're seeing things so simple in our homes, right? That things are so smart now. And I had this case when I had moved and, and ended up uh, throwing an Apple TV or whatever, you know, into a, just a simple system with a home theater receiver. You know, as soon as I plugged it in for the first time, it asked me like five questions that I answered on the screen with two clicks. And I have a remote control that's got like four buttons on it that does everything I could possibly imagine it needing to do 99% of the time in my home, right? So as an AV person, I was very impressed by the way the, the, the simplicity of that user experience, right? So now we're seeing that more and more in everyone's homes, and that's going to translate into the commercial space because the expectation now from our clients on the commercial side is we want it to be as easy as it is in our house, right? Well, we know that, you know, the ultimate goal is, is to keep that experience, you know, there for them and, and similar to what they're seeing, but there's a lot more to it, right? There's a lot more to corporate infrastructure networks, and there's a lot more you know, stuff that's just being controlled. But the key is on the back end to simplify that as much as possible so that 
they believe or they're getting that experience like they have at their house, that it's just simple and it's always going to function. And when you're doing things that complex on the back end, uh, that's where the recurring models come into place. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I mean, like like you said, this improvement in technology is great for us, but for everyone trying to catch up, it's a, a high standard, I think. Yeah, it's like I said, just just technology as a whole. It's it's it's, it's like I said, it's good and it's bad. It, it makes things easier. Uh, it changes the the uh, you know the way that we sell um, you know the equipment anymore. It, it's so smart, and any everybody has access to it, right? It's it's commoditized, if you will, right? So there's not a lot of profit to be made on a projector nowadays as there was 20 years ago, right? Because anybody can get it. Anybody can get it stupid cheap. It's the expertise behind it where you have to make your money, right? And to do that, you need to sell service. You need to sell recurring, right? You can't just sell gear anymore and expect to make, you know, be rolling in the money, if you will, right? Yeah, for real. Especially since gear, I mean, it's it's outdated. You know, like they're putting on new phones, for example, every year. I mean, it's right. it's here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah, and the same applies to what we're doing on the Pro AV channel. Maybe not so fast, but it's there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's only getting faster, though. Uh, just to uh, kind of wrap it up, uh, do you have any final thoughts on recurring revenue in Pro AV? Any advice for people who are trying to make the change or are still sort of hesitant about it? No, I'd say, you know, as, as someone who's kind of spearheaded it here at our, at our company and, and, you know, with, with admittedly very little knowledge of how to do it, right? Uh, the only advice I can give everyone is, is you know, take a soft approach to it at first. Don't dive headfirst into it. You know, do your research. Um, you know, think about contractually, you know, what, what am I agreeing to do for my clients, right? Um, start small, start at the service level and then move your way up towards the, the managed services and then even into the, to the AV as a service and, and understand what the differences are between all of that. And, you know, just take a step back for a minute is the only advice I can say. And, uh, you know, just, just get a true understanding of what all that is. I like that. I think that can be applied to a lot of things in life, but I think that worked well. Yeah, I think so. Maybe I'm a little wiser than I thought. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Jeremy. Uh, good luck with everything at IAS. Great. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Of course. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's Pro AV Podcast. If you would like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Josh Fisher. See ya.